Hello and welcome. This is the Bits vs. Byte podcast. I'm your host, Amir Grigic, and today with me is Amir Salih Efendic. Uh, he is the CEO and founder for Doist. Welcome, Amir. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. No problem at all. Uh, could you tell the listeners a little bit about your background and also how you got to start Doist? Sure. Um, yeah, so I was born in uh, Bosnia. I grew up in Denmark and... Um, yeah, in the last 10 years, I have basically lived around the world. Uh, I currently split my time between Barcelona and, and Santiago, Chile. So just a bit of background, like my personal background. And on the company background, uh, yeah, so basically in 2007, as a like student, uh, computer science student, I basically started Todoist, which is a task management app. I made it for myself. Um, and since then, uh, like I have basically worked on it and use it almost maybe every day, <laughs> uh, excluding the weekends, uh, especially like the last couple of, of years, I don't really work on weekends. And then uh, I have also like built a company around it called Doist, which is like a remote first company of about 80 people uh, spread in 80 different countries, no, 30 different countries, um, a lot of like nationalities, a lot of time zones. And, you know, we have worked on this and working like in a remote first setting for almost 10 years now. Uh, and myself, like I have actually never had a, a real office job. So I have always like worked on on, on like a remote first way. Uh, yeah. And then we also have Twist, which we yeah. did, um, uh, I think, four or five years ago, which is kind of like a team communication app optimized for asynchronous communication. Um, yeah. Uh, so that that's, that's basically a bit... Uh, about the backstory yeah yeah so uh, could you uh, tell a little bit because you s said you were kind of a remote first company uh, is that something that came uh, along like naturally or is that something that you were kind of like okay if i want to build a company it's going to be remote first uh, by by default how, how did that come along i mean honestly like i grew up on the internet uh, so for me like building a remote first company is actually very natural um, and even like my first I have co-founded two companies. I built like a social network uh, that is actually still running today. And that was basically also a, a remote first company. But we started that in 2007. And we had like a, a Chinese, mm -hmm. Malaysian as a co-founder and an Indian Canadian. And I was like Bosnian Danish working. Oh, really? uh, so, you know, we had like uh, this dynamic uh, and we actually built something very unique. Uh, uh, yeah, so, you know, for me, it just comes very natural and uh, I didn't like think much about it. I just like needed to hire people and needed to kind of like get some, some work done. Uh, and that's why I basically hired like globally because that's the best people I can find. Yeah, I think that a lot of companies uh, are, are just starting to make that transition right now. And then uh, they're like, oh, yeah, but this is this is actually better because I can find people that maybe not are in the in the neighborhood, but are uh, maybe better in kind of a way they better fit my company or they're just better in, in kind of the quality that they, they provide and stuff like that. Um, so that, that's something that I've, I've noticed a lot. So how do you, how do you look at that from a perspective of a company that's been working like that for a few, for a number of years? How do you look at that? Yeah, I mean, um, like, uh, basically for us, I think it's kind of like a superpower. Uh, of course, like you can find like 
really really talented people when you look globally but i think also like you say like you can find people that are kind of like mission driven and like around they really care deeply about your mission and your culture um and you know you have like a pool of like billions of people to to choose from so you can find like some very unique skills and very unique people in that pool um yeah so honestly like i think it's a superpower and i'm pretty sure like uh most companies uh, especially like tech companies knowledge work companies uh like they need to tra- like transform themselves into this because they will not be able to compete i think long term um and the reason is really like simple is like we can actually find and hire much better people uh, and even like the processes that we have are you know being optimized all the time uh, it's a very like new environment but i'm pretty sure like we will not only like be able to uh, like do as good work as like office workers do, but I think like it will be much much uh, better. Like, uh, and it will also be better for the people that work part of this because they will have freedom, you know, to live and work from anywhere. And it's like very very hard to compete against yeah. this. Uh, yeah. So like, if you're like kind of a founder or like a, you have a company, like, or even if you you know just are an employee, like I think. Switching over to this is kind of to switching to the future of, of work. So how how do you how do you manage that? Because I can imagine that if you have like uh, eighty people that are around the world, for example, how do you kind of manage the the whole logistical part of it? Because I can imagine that uh, hiring someone in a particular country is different than to than say a different country uh, that that someone else is from. How do you how do you manage that? Yeah, I mean, I think like right now it's kind of a gray zone. Uh, so the thing we do is basically we hire everybody as like independent contractor, and we also like, give them the ability to actually hire and pay for like accountant uh, to manage their books. Um, so that's basically how we do it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like some services right now, like Remote.com, that actually like um, is basically a proxy, uh, so you can hire you know locally. And there's a company that hires for you. Um, the problem, like with these services yeah. right now, there's multiple of them. Is basically the costs, um, the cost both for the company but also for the individual. Uh, so, for instance, like we have, you know, had some local companies around the world, and actually, like there's a uh, m- like many benefits of actually not uh, being locally employed. Uh, you usually like pay. Uh, less uh, in taxes you usually have like more freedom uh, um, so yeah i mean it, it's a it's a tough call but honestly like uh i think in the future i hope we will see like more companies like remote.com that kind of like make this much easier and then it's really like up to people themselves like do mm-hmm. they want to be locally employed or do they want to be like independent contractor and i think for, from the company perspective what yeah. we actually look at is like total costs um, that we pay to people and not, uh, yeah, because like the, the total costs, you know, go way up uh, once you need to kind of have to have like a local setup and then like need to pay like um, all kind of taxes and, and things. Uh, so, yeah, there's like a big overhead on actually like doing this and scaling this. Like we are based in t- 30 different countries. Like if we need to go in, and do that like in different countries, kind of like a nightmare. Uh, and then you also have like uh, laws, like some laws. Some countries have like really backward laws where once you hire 
person you you can actually fire them almost like they need to do like a very big offense to 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 get fired which is also like not really very good from like a mm-hmm. company perspective um yeah this said like you know um i will see like it's currently like very new setup it's something that you know countries need to regulate and like be part of and i'm pretty sure like this will become a much bigger problem in the near future yeah, I think that uh, that's a good point that you're touching on. Uh, actually, I got the the CEO for remote. I had him a few podcasts ago on the uh, on here as well, uh, and uh, he, he was also talking about the, the kind of difficulties. I think that maybe when you look at it, a lot of countries that uh, that kind of tune into this this new movement and and seeing like okay, there's there's going to be a demand for people that are living in our country because. They're quality, they're good in quality or whatever, right? Uh, I think that they will maybe push uh, towards like like laws that make it easier for outside companies to to hire, to uh, make payrolls and stuff like that. Uh, how how do you see that? Do you think that that uh, that's a possibility? I mean, you know, like it's a huge advantage for people and, and companies and um, I think countries to actually have people employed. Uh, and for a com- country's perspective, like I think, you know, like uh, creating jobs and especially like very well paid jobs is a huge advantage. So uh, I'm pretty sure like they will be on board yeah. on this. Uh, yeah, because like, you know, a lot of times yeah. like you're actually not uh, like outsourcing like, uh, you know, low paid jobs. You're like you're paying people a lot of money uh, in, in like especially like tech companies. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure like. Com- like countries will be on board of this and currently like you know we have like yeah. a lot of uh people in a lot of countries like we have not seen the tax authority uh like raise any issues about this setup you know because people pay a lot of taxes you know and, and i think yeah. countries are happy <laughs> because of that yeah yeah so what what i was wondering about because if you have these uh, amount of you said 30 countries i think you said but uh, or 20 or 30 um so uh, how how does that how does that hiring process go then because when i look at it uh, you have these all these kind of different cultures and stuff like that how do you kind of align that with what you want to have as a company as a culture or how do you, how do you do that yeah i mean honestly like i think there's a lot of like bullshit in terms of um like uh, you know the nationality you have or the culture you grew up with like honestly i think that you have really great people and really bad people in almost any uh, cultural country and probably like uh, most people are actually good I think it's kind of like normalized like most people are good um, and that's basically how we look at it like we actually don't really look at the nationality we look at the person uh, or like we also don't really look like gender mm. or whatever else bullshit that, that, that people throw into it or like age as well and there's a lot of like a discrimination against like you know uh different like age groups and like what kind of their uh, philosophy on life is and like how they behave and stuff like that. and i think like this is basically like an easy way to discriminate um so that's how we look at this mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah so uh, but there's of course uh, some of the values that you want to have as a company and where you look at like okay does this uh, n- not not even looking at the nationality of course uh, that that would be wrong but it's more in the sense of like um how do you how do you how do you match that because you have some values of, of course as a company that you want to portray and where you what you believe in and stuff like that how do you uh, kind of match that up because i can imagine that's hard in a hiring process maybe to 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 get right how do you do that 
Yeah, I mean, I think something that's very important from a company perspective is basically like defining your core values. You know, how do you evaluate people? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like these shouldn't like be some like you know core values that you have written on some like document somewhere, and then you have like trendy values, and like teamwork is one of them. <laughs> uh, like, uh, yeah. like the, the core values should really like like be core to everything that you do. Uh, so the work you output. Uh, the people you hire, the people you fire, um, you know. Uh, so I think that's where core values really matter a lot. Uh, so for us, like we have a few mm. of these, and you know, we uh, evaluate people on them. Uh, they are kind of a core part of 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 what we do, and they are you know brought up in a lot of different contexts. Um, so you know, I think that's really, really important. And like, I think you should hire based on the core values that you want inside your company, and not really like nationality or like some other like external factors that that may play in. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't matter at all. I mean, in most cases, I've seen like uh, the best people. And it's weird. The, the best people that I've hired are mostly based on just personal things, like uh, personal things that you want to see in someone, like maybe ambition or or maybe uh, that they have a particular passion for for the job that they're going to do. And it, it's not it's not even about uh, where they're from. I mean, we work with uh, with developers that are not in the Netherlands, but uh, that doesn't really matter for me. I mean, uh, we're in the same time zone which is also great but uh, th- even that is not something that uh, that is mandatory in my opinion uh, it's just uh, that you need to in some cases you just need to touch base and and see how things are going along and i think that uh, i think that leadership is a little bit of a key in that like being able to say okay uh, trust the people that you that you are hiring right i mean that's that's the that's the 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 most important thing. When when you look at the remote first company from from your perspective, uh, what are some of the the what do you do you feel like um, the traditional as we say uh, just quote unquote the traditional companies are are really equipped to do that uh, or do you th- feel like it's a, it's a mindset that needs to needs to be cultivated within all, all the people that are in the company? How, how do you see that? Yeah, I mean. Um... I think basically like a revolution is happening uh, and most people are not really aware of this. Um, but um, the way that we see it is basically like, I think the current way that we evaluate work is kind of very broken. Um, and that's where you actually need to start is how do you evaluate work? Like a lot of the times right now, you evaluate work by somebody that comes in on time, you know, uh, is working hard, uh, like hard, you define hard by like, you know, being uh, coming in early and leaving late. Um, uh, and I think that's a, that's a big problem. Uh, so I think like first we need to start there. And then also like the whole like, um, like trust issues that are related to that as well. Like uh, you don't really trust people to work from home because you think they will just like off. <laughs> like you need to have them in an office and like see them working um and um so yeah i think like it's leadership it's management uh, it's like how we evaluate work so for us for instance like we don't do any tracking of people uh, we don't actually know how much time they work uh because what we evaluate is kind of like the output like the work that they actually produce and we look at that uh and see if it's good work or not of course like i think many diff- like many um 
current companies have a problem with that because they can't really evaluate what is good work and what isn't. So if like a developer, you know, spends a month on something and presents it to you, like the the, the management can't really say like, oh, this is like really, really great work or it's bad work or whatever, like, uh, or it's taking too long or, or too little time. Um, so I think that's probably where we need to start. And also like a lot of, I think the current practices um, are kind of optimized for the factory age, you know, industrialization is still kind of uh, running through most companies. Um, so for instance, like in knowledge work, you know, like you writing something or designing something or coding something does not really depend on how much time you spend on it. Like you can do, you know, amazing work uh, on little time that has like a very, very big impact. And I think uh, the the example I want to bring up here is kind of like the Bitcoin. Uh, of course, like, you know, Bitcoin is kind of still on the development, but, you know, it's basically the one document, one implementation that has generated like over $1 billion uh, for the like creator uh, and like hundreds of billions of dollars, I think right now in market, uh, like a value. Uh, so you can really like see that, you know, you don't really need, and maybe like, I don't know how much the person has actually spent on this. Um, but it's probably not, uh, you know, correlated with the amounts of impact that it has generated. And I think it's a lot, uh, a lot of the current work that we do is kind of like reflected on, on that kind of like, uh, using leverage instead of like using time and like effort. Yeah. Yeah. So one, one thing I always say is, uh, activity does not equal output. And I think that's, uh, that's what you're referring to, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so for instance, like evaluating coders by the amount of like lines they write or like writers by the amounts like, uh, you know, uh, documents they write is kind of like very vanity metrics and it doesn't really tell you anything about the work that is being done. Yeah. Yeah. So could could you uh, because I just want to get back to Todoist a little bit because I've I've been using Todoist for I think a few years now. I'm a paying customer happy uh, as can be with uh, with what you're doing. Uh, could you tell a little bit about um uh, because there there's a lot of uses of of course for it but can you t tell maybe a little bit about uh, how you've seen uh, some power users use it in ways that you maybe didn't expect when you were were starting out with it? Uh, sure. I mean, um, uh, I mean, honestly, like I made it for myself to manage like my own like uh, projects and uh, like life in general. Uh, and I mean, we have seen it used for all kind of things. We actually have like a, a one billion tasks page where basically you go in and like uh, I think it's called. Let me actually see here. Um, Yeah, so like if you search for like Todoist and 1 billion tasks, uh, you can actually see like all kind of like use usage and users that you would never actually think, uh, <laughs> like I never actually built this for that. Uh, so, um, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I think one of the favorite examples is basically like somebody uh, uh, creating long live shorts, which is basically organization uh, that um, like uh, helps with uh, creating like swim trunks for for children in in in, in Gambia, um, 
And, you know, like this is basically a passion project for, for a person uh, and he's using to do is to kind of empower that and like help out in like a very inspiring way. Um, yeah. And I think there's like a ton of yeah. these type of things, like, you know, teachers using it uh, to teach better or, you know, uh, people using it to, to create better work, like even like grandmoms using it. Like we have some feedback from grandmoms, like, that their memory isn't really as good as it was. So they're basically using Todoist as like a assistant to remember stuff and follow up on stuff. Um, so honestly, like, you know, it's kind of a very generic tool that can be used for a lot of different things. And I think like as we actually improve the app and, you know, we have a lot of more, like even if we've been in this for like over 10 years now, you know, <laughs> there's always a lot of stuff we want to improve and get better at. But I hope actually like this can expand to a lot more people and uh, a lot more use cases yeah and what what I, what I see on on twitter a lot is when you when you're kind of sharing because you you share a lot and you share also some of the things that are maybe coming to to future releases and when you're sharing everybody's like i want in i want to see the i want to see this in in uh, in how it really works and stuff like that and that's that's something that i've i've noticed is is pretty cool because you don't often see like um uh, a, a, a piece of software or something like that with that kind of a following where people are really uh, engaged in, in what, the, what they want to do and uh, how they how they want to see the the, the product evolve. Do, do you feel that the same way? Yeah, I mean, honestly, um, you know, I think like that's how you can kind of evaluate if you have like product market fit is basically like how passionate are people about your product. And then this is like both, you know, in a positive and in a negative way. So if you look at, for instance, like there's a Reddit Todoist uh, subreddit. Um, and, you know, some of the feedback is like really, really negative. Like we make a change and people hate it and they're like really passionate about this. <laughs> and of course, like that, that is like both like <laughs> problematic, but also like positive because it really shows like how deeply people care about stuff. So I think like in product development, what you actually don't want is kind of like indifference, like people not really caring about the stuff that, that you do. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I think like today's users, uh, like like for a lot of those, uh, and especially right now, it's kind of like, uh, like some people run their lives on this, uh, you know, uh, and uh, that's why they care so deeply about it. So, and I think there's like probably a million of those. Uh, so it's kind of like also very, I think, uh, like super fan driven uh, model because you know you can use like some free stuff as well like you know Apple Google has like uh, free to do apps uh, so if you actually commit to Todoist and also pay mm -hmm. for it I think like you really are on a like different level than just like a free user using something yeah yeah I've I've tried a lot of to do apps uh, the the problem I always had with to do apps is that I need to write down the to dos <laughs> that's a, that's a really weird weird way of looking at it but uh, what I've what I've noticed is that um, I'm not the type of person or, or uh, from kind of my upbringing and stuff like that, I, I was not the type of person to write things down and that's something that I've alert along the way because you're just getting older and you, you're forgetting stuff and you're doing more than you were doing before and that's that's something that i've noticed is uh, the reason why i i was looking for a, a, a good to-do app and then i saw you you were the the founder and i was like oh yeah that's cool someone that's also with the kind of same background uh, as i am uh building this this kind of thing uh and uh, w what i what i really like about it is that um 
and that's just from a user's perspective, is just the way you can plan stuff. Uh, it's it's like a really normal way. Like if you want to plan it for tomorrow, say uh, tomorrow at five or something, you can just type tomorrow at five and it will kind of automatically see that it's uh, it's a plan date. Uh, is, is that something that was kind of by design to to from the kind of start to have it like in that kind of natural way instead of just clicking at a, at a date picker or something like that? How did that come about? Yeah, I mean, honestly, something to to note about like uh, Todoist is like we are kind of super fans ourselves, and we use this a lot ourselves. Uh, so, and I think that's basically why uh, you know, like we have kind of like succeeded in like a hyper competitive market. Is like we care deeply about this, um, and you know, something like natural language input, like uh, that may not be. Uh, that apparent that it's uh, really a super feature or like a very important feature, but it is like if you actually use this a lot and you need to like input a lot of tasks uh, and you know uh, really like once you get a task you just want to get it like out of your brain and inside the system, uh, so then it becomes like really really critical that you can do this like as efficiently as possible and as fast as possible. So how, how do you do? Do you have a particular system that you follow for yourself to keep uh, keep track of these to dos? Is that is you do you do you like put everything in your to do app or how do you how do you look at tasks that you need to do? Yeah, I mean, I have actually written about my system. It's called Systemist, uh, and I have blogged about it. So I basically use the same system for like over ten years, okay. and it's basically like a simplified GTD. Uh, system uh, and I actually tried to kind of offload everything from my brain inside the system and like I, I tried to keep it like up to date and I also tried to kind of hit like uh, I call it to do zero every day so basically like I want to get like my, my task list to to zero task for today every day uh, and sometimes you know I postpone of course <laughs> to mm. get it there but it's just like it's very important to <laughs> Um, especially like in, in my work, I, I probably like do maybe like 30 to 40 tasks per day. And a lot of these are kind of like follow-ups or like stuff I need to respond to, uh, projects I need to like check into. And I, if I needed to like, uh, you know, do this, uh, like keep everything in my head, I think I would be like much more stressed and much more like disorganized than I am right now. Um, so I definitely like, tried to to do this, and you know I even like do um, like uh, family stuff, uh, friend stuff. Like I plan everything there because if not, like I don't add it as a task. Like I would just forget mm -hmm. it because I have like so much other stuff that I need to take care of as well. Uh, yeah. So basically, for me, it's kind of like a command yeah. center for my life and for my work. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I mean, uh, that, that's also something that I I kind of have like these categories where I put like the personal stuff in or maybe something that I'm doing for my own company or some other stuff that I do for like my day-to-day -day job. So that those, it's it's uh, it's easy to do that. And that's something that uh, that I was always, always always looking for. Like, okay, I need to put in everything because I don't I don't care if it is a personal or a day to day thing. I need to know that it gets done on that particular day for whatever reason, right? Uh, but either you've committed to it or whatever. So, 
what I also wanted to talk about for just a little bit is uh, also Twist because Twist is uh, a uh, product that you have as well. Uh, and it's uh, based on uh, kind of asynchronous communication and stuff like that. Uh, you see that a lot of companies are uh, kind of moving towards uh, chat programs because of the whole remote thing, uh, remote work thing and the crisis and stuff like that. Um, how do you how do you look at that? So how do you uh, you obviously made twist with a reason. So could you tell a little bit about why you uh, think that asynchronous is uh, is something that uh, a lot of more companies should do? Uh, sure. So honestly, I think like this is again uh, kind of the same topic as like office work and like trust and like evaluating work. It's kind of like how we communicate. Um, and uh, like, you know, we started actually using Slack ourselves. Uh, and that was probably like some of my most stressful times as a leader, um, because especially like in a remote first company, we have like a lot of time zones. You're basically connected all the time. And then you're also expected like fast response times um, and to always be connected. And, you know, this is kind of like a very anti-pattern to actually do great work. Um, so what we found out is like, um, um, you know, this was like making us much more anxious and like much more stressed than we wanted to be. And it also didn't really produce great work. So currently, right, right, now, right now, a lot of people evaluate like work by like how connected you are, you know, how fast you respond, uh, you know, how many meetings you attend. Uh, and this is just like a bullshit way to actually <laughs> evaluate work again. Um, so what, what we found is is actually de delaying communication, having more thoughtful communication, having more mindful communication, you know, that produces great work. Um, so for instance, like me responding, like you have an idea, I respond right away and say it's like a really bad idea. Like that doesn't really help anybody. Like if I actually like think about your idea, and you know maybe I reflect over it over a night's sleep, and I come in the morning and I actually maybe uh, you know add something to it or like uh, change it uh, or improve it in, in in some way. Like this is much more helpful than like you know a quick reaction. Um, yeah. So like what what we are doing is basically like we are optimizing like towards like thoughtful communication, deep work. Uh, and I think this is like a superpower, especially for knowledge workers, because a lot of the stuff that we do is kind of super hard, like, you know, writing stuff, designing stuff, uh, coding stuff. Um, and you actually need to have like <laughs> a lot of time and like a lot of like free space to actually do your best work. So, yeah, that's basically it. And that's why we think asynchronous, like yeah. delayed communication, more thoughtful communication is the way to go. And not like this, always connect and chit chat and being like in Zoom calls all day long. Yeah, and uh, when I think about it, uh, that's one of the things that I don't like about chat programs is um, it's more the kind of uh, not being able to follow. I mean, we, we have a small team, so you can pretty much follow within a chat room what's happening. But I can imagine that the, the bigger your team gets, it's harder to 
to kind of follow all the discussions that are going around, right? Uh, there, there, maybe someone asks something and then the next person also asks something and then you're kind of replying to the first question, but then <laughs> someone else is replying, replying to the next question. Uh, th those are kind of things that uh, I feel like you're trying to take away from, uh, from, your, from a kind of chat program to, to twist in this case, right? Exactly. I mean, you know, uh, Twist is much more threaded and it's also just like much more optimized towards like deeper and more thoughtful communication. So not one-liners, not like, you know, conversations, inside conversations, inside conversations, which is basically like a lot of like these chat rooms. Um, yeah, so so um, that's basically, but honestly, like for me, uh, you know, of course, like we have Twist, uh, we really want to see it succeed. Uh, like for me, it's kind of like a like a philosophical question. Like, uh, and we really want to see asynchronous take mm. over synchronous, uh, and like be like asynchronous should be the default in most organizations. Um, so that's something that I care deeply about. Yeah. And honest, like twist is just like a way that that you can achieve this, but you can also achieve this like with Basecamp or like uh, with email. Uh, of course, maybe not as good as you can with Twist, but you know you can still like it's more of the principle than really the the, the, the tools. And of course, I think I still think like tools matter because uh, you know um, the, the design philosophy, product philosophy of, for instance, like Microsoft Teams or Slack is much different from Twisters. And you know I think like uh, the way that you work mm. is kind of influenced by the tools that you use. Uh, so you can't really like. Um, yeah. Like for instance, I have seen like somebody say like, "Yeah, you can make uh, Slack asynchronous." Uh, you know, you can make that, but it's kind of mm. like <laughs> it's not really built for that, and the whole like communication model is yeah. not really uh, optimized for like thoughtful and then deep communication that we promote. Yeah, yeah, you're you're kind of missing. You're kind of abusing the system in that in that sense if you're using it th that way, and the other way around as well. If you're using Twist to be something like Slack, it's not made for that. It's it's made for, uh, as you said, kind of the the deeper conversations because most of these uh, solutions and these uh, decisions that you're making for products or whatever it is, right, whatever you're working on. Uh, those are usually not the one-liners. They're usually like the 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 kind of uh, the, the the deeper things, the 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 longer text, the longer uh, kind of discussions that you have. Maybe usually, uh, sometimes people use a, a meeting for that. But uh, in most cases, if you have a remote team, it's even better to just put that into one uh, into one thread. For example, in in, in Twist, uh, where you can uh, where where you can also just see it uh, the next day or or something like that, and you don't feel like you've missed something. And I, I've noticed that uh, in Twist, you don't have the kind of online feature, which a lot of these uh, other programs have. Uh, does that also have to do with that kind of philosophy that you have in your own company? Of uh, kind of uh, uh, not having that 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 stress of someone having to be online all the time is that is that kind of the the way you mirror it to your products as well? Exactly. So you know, like this was a bigger discussion at the beginning of Twist is like to have like read and like online indicators, and I think these are basically like, very bad because they they kind of force you like if you if I respond to or like you send me a message and I can see that you're online. Uh, or you can see that I'm online uh, and I have been like active in the last like minute. You actually are like uh, um, like I think uh, you kind of like 
I don't know, imagine that you will get an answer right away because just, you know, you see that I'm active. Um, and this is kind of anti-pattern if you actually want to promote asynchronous communication. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, another thing is also like, you know, sending something later, uh, you know, like scheduling something is also like ending pattern because uh, in a like asynchronous system, you don't really care, you know, when the other person will receive this. So, you know, I sometimes like send stuff like during night. I know that the person is sleeping, but I don't really care because, you know, <laughs> it's an asynchronous system. It's kind of like same with email. Like when you send an email, you don't really think like, you know, is Amr really like um, sleeping now or not, you know? Uh, and I think the same thing should be happening for team communication apps. And like some of these apps, like Slack, for instance, or, or Microsoft Team, they don't really promote this and they promote like this always on like fast response time type of like uh, communication. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I, I think that uh, I think that's a great way to go. Um, we, we're thinking about it as well, where I'm like, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't want that pressure, right? It's the, the kind of pressure of maybe you're doing something in that particular moment in time, you're working on something meaningful, and you're you're just in the flow. And then this chat comes in, you look at it, and you don't you don't want to respond, but the other person saw that you read it. So th those are kind of the things that uh, that I feel are a kind of a detriment as well to the kind of productivity of people. Uh, and I hope uh, I hope that will change in the in the near future. Um, so I have one more question before we wrap up. Um, so uh, this is the question I always ask at the at the end. Uh, what are you kind of most proud of since you started uh, you started Doist? Um, um, I think like something I'm really proud of is that we have like so many nationalities, so many races, you know, uh, um, and so much diversity um, inside a company, and we make this work. Uh, and you know, uh, I think also um, not only make it worse, but I think actually we're doing some, I think some really great stuff. Like it's not uh, only like good enough, but it's kind of like I think uh, approaching maybe world class level. And I hope we can kind of be a beacon for like other companies as well. That you know, uh, uh, you 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 can use like diversity as a superpower. And also a lot of like the bullshit that's currently spread around about like hiring for like specific nationalities or even like personalities or whatever else like you have, like education as well, or, like specific universities. Like I think these are kind of like bad indicators for for like they're basically a way to discriminate people. Um so that's something I'm really, really proud of. And mm. you know, I, I want to see uh reflected in the world uh more. Yeah. Yeah, nice, very nice. I mean, that that's uh, that's what I I also very much believe in. I think that uh, that that it should change in in, in the near future. It will uh, probably this 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 kind of crisis does have some uh, benefits, even with all the horrors that are going on. Uh, it 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 still has some kind of uh, some some things that we're going to get out of it uh, in the in the future. Uh, so, how can uh, people find you on the internet just to to wrap up? Honestly, I think the best way is uh, my Twitter account. It's Amix3K. Um, yeah, so I, I, I tweet a lot. And I, I tweet a lot about this subject we talked about today, like uh, remote first, you know, uh, to do this twist, communication, productivity. Yeah, so follow me there. And I think you will get like access to how I think. 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm doing it on a daily basis, and I can uh, I can attest to that. <laughs> I can attest to to it being interesting, uh, and uh, I I, uh, I will put it down in the show notes so can everybody can f- take a follow. Uh, thanks, Amir, for your for your time today. It was uh, it was great talking to you. Thank you for having me. It was a. Uh fun yeah i hope people get something out of this no problem at all and uh, for the listeners you can find the bits versus by podcast on uh, bitsvsbytes.com and of course you can uh, find us on all major podcasting platforms Uh, and uh, if you want to sign up there's a newsletter Uh, you can get five things about business leadership and technology every two weeks on friday and uh, you can find that on bitsvsbytes.com slash newsletter and i would like to thank you for listening until next time